of your Son. Make ready our hearts for the brightness of your glory and the fullness of your blessing in Jesus Christ our Lord. And all God's people said, Amen. We are going to affirm our faith this morning using the Apostles' Creed. It's found on 881 and on the screen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day He rose from the dead, He ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence He shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. At this time we'll have our uh, Advent reading and uh, prayer, and you are welcome to be seated. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counsel, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of this, of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Last Sunday, we lit the prophet's candle of hope as a reminder that Christ, who was born in a manger in Bethlehem, is coming again to fulfill all of God's promises. Today, we light the candle of peace, also known as the Bethlehem candle. We inhibit a world in which there is very little peace to be found. Conflict, injustice, and tragedy are all too common. However, because of our relationship with Jesus, we are promised a peace that passes understanding. Christ purchased our peace with God by paying the penalty of our sin when he first came to us. And when he returns, he will rid the earth of all evil and bring everlasting peace. The prophet Isaiah identified Christ as the Prince of Peace. When Jesus came, he taught people the importance of being peacemakers. He said that they would be called the children of God. We light the candle of peace to remind us Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and because of him, real peace with God for ourselves and others can be ours. Let us pray. O oh Lord, thank you for the comfort of peace you provide through Jesus. Fill our hearts with our comforting peace that passes understanding in this world of turmoil. Keep us today and every day to worship you and to do your will by sharing your gift of peace with God to others. We pray in the name of Prince of Peace, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.
I was sharing earlier this morning that, uh, gosh, it's been almost 40 years, but uh, I spent a summer in uh, Italy and we were doing distribution of scripture and literature in, in Arabic and um, we went to the Sunday morning service in this the, a, a church that was uh, established in a storefront and of course we didn't understand much of anything that was being said but immediately when we turned to the communion service we all knew what was going on because this is the supper that unites this is the table that unites Christ's church. Uh, this morning we're going to uh, use a service that's a little bit different than what we normally do because it's uh, more directed towards Advent. But we begin with Christ our Lord invites to His table all who love Him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now if you'll just uh, take a moment to, to silently allow the Holy Spirit to show us if there's something that we need to confess to the Lord that we know this God is faithful and just to forgive us. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love towards us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets who looked for the day when justice shall roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. When nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn.
blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. To be a light to the nations. You scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts and have mercy on those who fear you from generation to generation. You put down the mighty from their thrones and exalt those of low degree. You fill the hungry with good things and the rich you sent away empty. Your own son came among us as a servant to be Emmanuel, your presence with us. He humbled himself in obedience to your will and freely accepted death on a cross. By the baptism of his suffering and death and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took the bread, and he gave thanks to you, and he broke the bread and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup and gave thanks to you and gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here. And on these gifts of wafer and juice, make them be for us the body and the blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by His blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ and one with each other and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at His heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in your holy church, all honor and glory are yours, Almighty God, now and forever. Amen. Now with the confidence of the children of God, let us pray the prayer Jesus taught His disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. If our ushers will come that are going to help serve, we're going to do this again. We're going to serve this communion in your seat. So if you'll just wait and be patient. And as you get the elements, if you can hold on to them until we all receive them, then we can take the communion together.
Christ's body and blood given for us. Lord God, we do thank you for this holy mystery in which you give yourself to us. Please use it to increase our capacity to receive from you that we may be able to give to others for your honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. We continue in prayer this morning together with thanksgiving. The Lord says that we can come before His throne with thanksgiving. And I'm so thankful that we do have a, a family meal that we can partake together. And even those who aren't able to be with us can be partaking with us uh, over the radio. I mean, God is very gracious in God's uh, latitude of mercy and uh, allowing us to commune with Him. We, we have much to be thankful for again this time of harvest where the farmers are grateful that most of everything they planted has now come back. And, and you know, I was sharing, it's amazing. Our farmers, not only do we feed the multitudes in our own country, but much of our food goes to other parts of the world where they're not as fortunate as we are. And so now the transport begins from, from the fields to the grain bins and then to the rest of the world. And we are thankful that we live in the abundant uh, land where we are able to see that uh, food transported to other places. You know, I'm also thankful because this is the first time that I can remember that we aren't in a major conflict. Uh, that doesn't mean there's peace everywhere in the world. But there are no major conflicts. There may be something start, God forbid, soon, but at the present, we're not. And that there's actually a drawing down of our military in other lands. And I'm thankful that righteousness and truth uh, 
is the foundations of the Lord, mercy and grace and justice, as we said. We look forward to that day when justice will roll across the, the earth like rivers of water. Um, we have much to pray for. Uh, we want to continue to pray for our nation and other nations. We want to pray for the fearful. You know, there is wisdom in being safe, but, but the idea of fear uh, is not from the throne of God. We're to reverence God, but you know, there's always going to be fearful situations, but Jesus always spoke into them His peace. We want to remember George and Sandy. Uh, George is having bone marrow uh, uh, surgery. Remember Celia, uh, Pete, and we want to remember him. Hugh and Judy, uh, Annette, Richard Hazelwood, Danny Jones, and Brandon Connor. And I know there are multitudes of other people that need our prayers, but there are those that you have in your heart and let's pray together and you remember them. Almighty God, we are blessed and we are so thankful for the freedoms that we have to express our gratitude to you. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful, sunshiny day. Cool, but we are grateful that we have homes that have uh, shelter us. We have heat. We have a great... Uh, we have all that we actually need for the most part. We are so fortunate. And Lord, we pray that in the midst of this time that you'll help us again to not only remember and give gifts to those we love, but that we will be a giving people to ministries that further the truth of the blessings that we know to be as ours. We thank you for every good and perfect gift from heaven. And we pray for all those who are struggling great in these days. For those who are very fearful, we pray for your peace. And for those who are sick, we pray for your healing emotionally and spiritually. And that you would use all of these circumstances and situations to bring us all closer to you, to a greater dependence on you, for your honor and glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
these gifts that we have brought and have been brought to us, may they be used for the furtherance of your kingdom, for your glory. Bless the gift and the giver in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And if you have your Bible with you and you'd like to turn in your Bible to Luke, the first chapter, we're going to continue in what I, the story of uh, um, remembering Christmas and revisiting the scenes that led up to this uh, Christmas. And so today we're going to take Dr. Luke's account in the first chapter, the 26th verse. And we're going to read to verse 38. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings. You who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and you will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of God, the Most High." The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born shall be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. She who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. In other versions, we know it says, let it be according to your word. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word and may God give us the ability to separate the wheat from the chaff in these days in which we live and in this tradition in which we live. But you've heard the old adage that we make plans and then life happens. Well, life, we know, is more than just a series of random choices or happen chance or fate. There is a sovereign God whose ultimate plans will be done as revealed and promised throughout the Scriptures, yet God enlists free will people to accomplish His plans. In fact, one of the characteristics of being created in God's image is the freedom to choose. And though no one can thwart God's purposes that are ordained before the foundation of the world, no one's going to keep Jesus from coming back. No one is going to keep Israel's temple from being rebuilt and the things that are prophesied to take place in that temple before uh, Christ returns. There are certain things that are, are more sure than the sun rising in the morning. And yet, God allows us human beings to personally refuse to cooperate with God. In fact, most of the world is not cooperating with God. Therefore, the great tragedies and the great challenges that we face in our life. But in order to do God's will, you see, there is, this is, I, I, I remember seeing this in centric, uh, like cent, uh, centric circles, circles that are within circles, whatever that word is, it starts with a C. But there is God's providence which 
is big and no one lives outside of the providence and though God allows tragedy to happen, it happens because God has allowed it to happen, though it is not God's perfect will, which would be a concentric circle that's inside of this larger providence, is God's perfect will, and no one can thwart God's perfect will in His plans of redemption. There was a song, I think a couple of years ago, it may have been last year, it may have been Laura Story, I think may have written the song, but the song goes, write your story on my heart. Write your story on my heart. In fact, the refrain, it gets a little redundant. Write your story, write your story, write your story on my heart. And Mary allowed that to happen. She allowed God to, to transform her plans and allow his plans to be done in her life. And what a story. In fact, I love just to be able to review this again because it's the only time of the year that we look at these stories and these characters again. But, but I just love it. And you know, the Christmas story is amazing in itself. I know we, we add the tinsel and we add all these other things to it. But the Christmas story, if we would just focus on it, you know, and our kids really really heard the message, really understood and, 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 and were told the, what goes on, you know, it's, it's quite amazing. And it's unfortunate that the world actually spends more energy on the one who supposedly comes down the chimney than the one who came from heaven. But I love this story without the clutter. clutter. And honestly, even when we sing our Christmas songs, I mean, you know, I love them, but some of them you have to separate the wheat from the chaff because we don't know if it was on a cold winter's night that was so deep, you know. That's, what, that's the way they would interpreted it in Germany in a winter night. But anyway, I don't want to pop anybody's bubble. We just want to enjoy the truth. As I mentioned last week, the last time Gabriel had come to earth was was to Daniel with a message from the throne of God and that had happened some 600 years earlier. I don't know if I said 600 years earlier last week, but that's the correct timing, about 600 years earlier. Six months before this encounter with Mary, he had delivered a message to, John, to Zechariah about John's birth and Zechariah hadn't said a word ever since because for some reason uh, it says that Zach didn't believe so the angel said, look, you're going you're gonna to keep your mouth shut until the birth. Um, and, you know, I guess the angel maybe had higher expectations for Zechariah, a priest, that when, when this glorious being comes to him and says, your wife is going to have a, a child in her old age, instead of him unbelieving, he could have gone, man, I remember the story about Abraham and Sarah. Wow, with God, I guess this is really possible. But anyway, evidently he didn't. And so Zechariah was unable to speak during that time. But now he's visiting an obscure little northern village in Israel called Nazareth that actually had a bad reputation. Uh, I know about little towns or towns with bad reputation because during my years in the Peace Corps and when we were in North Africa, we lived in a town that if you went anywhere else in Morocco and told them you were from that town, they would say this saying that somehow it come from a person that had visited the town uh, centuries earlier or decades earlier. But, but it basically translated like this about this town that we lived in, which was known as the armpit of North Africa. They said, um, the weather is, um, the weather is uh, poison, the, the water is blood, and there's no truth to be found in its inhabitants. Now, saying that in English, it doesn't rhyme, but saying it in Arabic, it rhymed. And they would always say that to me. You know, I got to where I could say it back, you know, because I, I kind of liked the place. It seemed like a nice place to us. But Nazareth had a bad reputation. And the reason I say that is when, when Philip went to Nathaniel and said, come and see Jesus from Nazareth, Philip made this comment, can anything good, no, Nathaniel made the comment, can anything good come out of Nazareth? So evidently it had this bad reputation. 
And I can only imagine Gabriel checking the address to make sure he was at the right place. 319 East Canaan Drive on the other side of the tracks. And he comes to this young, ruddy, lean, impoverished, all obviously impoverished young girl and says, Ma'am, could you direct me to Miriam? And Miriam says, I am she. And Gabriel goes immediately to his phone and calls God to confirm, is this the right address? I mean, come on. Is, could this be the right person? Now I know that's my sanctified imagination and that didn't really happen because angels don't question God's perfect will because they know that God's perfect will always bring glorious results. But I could say this about Mary because in North Africa it was still the same that, and in many countries it's still the same that women who are unmarried are the lowest status in society. They rank the lowest. In fact the the women in, in uh, Egypt, uh, when they're married, they take on the, the firstborn son's name. They become the mother of, if the son's name is Hanny, they become the mother of Hanny. That's how they identify themselves in order to have status. They're the mother of George, the mother of Bob. You know, they don't do that with girls. They only do it with, with the sons. And I saw this in Peace Corps. I know I saw my roommate's uh, youngest sister would tote the water. We didn't have running water in the place where we lived, where I lived the last nine months I was there. And this, they would, they would spend the time, they were the ones who toted the water. If they had young children, they would be carrying the children on their back while they're doing their other chores, going to get the bread, helping the mother in the kitchen, buying the vegetables, shepherding the animals. I mean, the women, the young maidens had the least status. Even the younger, older boys wouldn't take on the chores that some of the, the younger women had. And I can imagine Mary being just that person. In fact, Dr. Luke presents her as a virgin engaged to Joseph of the house of David. And then he says her name, Mary, at the end. And I say that she was poor because when Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem. Had they had some type of status about them, I think they would have been able to find some room where there was no room. And then also when they went to take Jesus to the temple in Jerusalem, we read in the scripture where they offered the cheapest offering that could be offered, two turtle doves for the firstborn son. So here she is, this low, young ruddy, scuffy-looking, barefoot girl, and the most glorious creature of heaven besides God Himself, one of the most glorious creatures, the archangel Gabriel is sent to her and greets her as the highly favored one, blessed among women. The Lord is with you. And... and you know, Gabriel's appearance frightened Zechariah, but Luke doesn't say that about that to Mary. In fact, angels have the ability to look very humanly. Maybe after Zechariah's uh, freaking out in the temple, maybe Gabriel said, I better tone it down a little bit and, and look a little more plain. And I'll tell you why. They can do this. You know, we find that in Scripture. I'm not saying things that are unscriptural. When the angels went to Abraham, before they went to judge Sodom and Gomorrah, they looked humanly. In fact, the men we know of Sodom and Gomorrah asked to have relations with them. But we're also told in Hebrews that some of us might entertain angels unknowingly. That we could, I mean, they can look so human-like that, that they could entertain, we could entertain angels unknowingly. But I have a feeling that he toned down his appearance. But what really startled Mary was the way he addressed her. 
Oh, you most highly favored woman, blessed the Lord is with you. And you know, every time we visit the Christmas story, we, uh, you can find something new. I'll tell you, because this that Gabriel said to Mary was true in God's eyes and true in the angel's eyes, that she was highly favored and that the Lord was with her in spite of her menial tasks, in spite of, her, of the challenges she had, in spite of the way society treated her, in spite of the way that things were going for her on earth, the Lord was with her and she was highly favored. And the angel wasn't saying this to build up her pride and to build up her self-confidence. He was saying the truth because, beloved, if we knew, if we really believed how much God ascribes to us. You know, the truth, because of Mary and what she did, we are the favored ones of God. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you are a favored one of the Lord. You are blessed, then the Lord is with you, the Scripture says. And the challenge for us is to believe it. But Mary believed. And then Gabriel relays a very challenging part of God's plan for Mary. Something totally unheard of. Something out of this world, contrary to human logic, and very risky for an unmarried young maiden. And Mary questions how. Because although she was young, she was not ignorant. And she knew that there's no way this happens in the natural. And Gabriel didn't say, Mary, how dare you question God? In fact, beloved, that, you know, that's something we pass around. I know I'm not supposed to question God. I don't know anywhere in Scripture where it says we're not supposed to question God. God doesn't mind being questioned. He's not intimidated by our questions. He would much rather have our interaction and our questions than us ignoring God and doing our own will and choosing our own will over His because His is so much wiser. God wants our interaction. And God is able to use faith the side of a mustard seed to do great things. But to insist on our will above God's will for us is foolish rebellion because His ways are much wiser. And then Gabriel replies, nothing is impossible with God. And beloved, it's been suggested that all of heaven was waiting and listening to hear what Mary's reply would be because this wasn't a, you're going to do this. This was really to recruit her into God's plan. He was sent there not to order her to do this, but to ask permission, would she do it? And all of heaven is waiting to hear the response of this little peasant girl from Nazareth because they say that humanity's salvation was hanging in the balance. For Mary is traditionally known as the second Eve because the first Eve chose her will and brought about the curse and all the sin and death and everything. Mary, uh, I shouldn't blame it on Eve alone, Adam and Eve, but, but, but Mary is considered the second Eve. And you know what? Some might think one church ascribes too much to Mary, but if anything, the Protestant church doesn't ascribe enough to Mary because she was the one who... She laid her life down so that Jesus could go to the cross. She's the one that the inspiration of take my life and let it be, and she sang the first chorus by herself, and then Joseph came along and sang the second chorus. But after Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word, I believe heaven said, Yes! And God's plan began instituted through this young, little, wonderful peasant girl who was the lowest on her totem pole. And beloved, as we wrap this up, here's the question. 
Are we available to let God edit our life? You know, for Zechariah and for Elizabeth, they had all their life and then the big prize came at the end of their life. And, but wherever we are on this road, are we willing to let God edit our life for His glory? If we yield to God's edits and let God direct our path, there will be questionable and painful chapters because we live in a broken world. But we must remember that although each chapter has a conclusion, it is not the end of the story. Because of Mary's willingness to let God write her story, God's story in our lives never ends. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, Amen. And now Elizabeth's going to sing for us a song about Mary.
If you would all please stand if able as we join together singing Let There Be Peace on Earth. The Prince of Peace has come and made a way for us to have peace with God. We've lit the peace candle to remind ourselves that peace comes from God. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you. You're the author of hope, of peace, of joy, of love, and of every good and perfect gift. We do thank you again for your presence with us, which is the greatest gift any of us could have. Fill us again, we ask, as we go into this dark world in which we live, and may your light shine through us that others may come to know the Prince of Peace that gave his life for us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, and all God's children said, Amen. Thank you.